Blog Talk Radio. Father, 
Father God, we worship you. We praise your holy name, and we thank you for this awesome opportunity once again to be able to get together in an electronic ecclesia, to be able to praise your name and to praise your name, Lord Jesus, and to, to just lift you up and, and pray for our loved ones and and ask you for forgiveness and cleanse and purify ourselves before you and share time in the scripture and pray for the peoples of the world in accordance with uh, your, 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 the, the, the Bible text that we're going to share tonight. And we just thank you for the opportunity to continue to do these things in the midst of some of the more challenging times, I think, than the world has ever seen. And we just see a buildup, a continuous buildup of darkness occurring, while at the same time we see a very large uh, bunch of folks um, uh, perhaps being um, set up for uh, possibly a future f- or imminent f- uh, major disappointment that could lead to some of the manifestations of the prophecies that we're watching for. Uh, it it may it's very difficult to tell the times that we are in right now, Father. I mean, it's not t- difficult to tell the season, but it's very difficult to tell how close we are to the next major event. And we just love you. We thank you for the refiner's fire. We thank you for bringing us through. If we haven't, if we're still getting taken behind the barn and chastened or whatever that, you know, if we're still in the chastening phase, Father, we praise you for that. If we had, if we did, if we were appropriately judging ourselves and, and, and uh, doing what we're admonished to do in second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 28, 31 and 32, and and just, you know, to judge ourselves that we would not be judged, knowing that you will chasten us if we fail to uh, adjust our behaviors in accordance with your word. And we praise you for those of us who are entering into or have been in a place where we're reasonably certain that we are being uh, continuously hit or at least going through major um, issues that would be certainly part of the refiner's fire that will prepare us for dealing gracefully, um, knowing that things such as outbursts of anger and and uh, contentions and dissensions and things that are called out in Galatians 5.19 are, are not acceptable in our behaviors, that we can't be slapping our stick against the rock like Moses uh, did and was forbidden to go into the land of milk and honey. Uh, and it, that is uh, part of the um, walking in the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, for the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control against which there is no law. And self-control for me, and I think a lot of us, is very, very difficult because of the refiner's fire. But we praise you if we have entered into the state of the refiner's fire because it indicates that we're being refined. And we're being refined for, well, what would it be? It would certainly be, hopefully, for an opportunity not only to continue to serve you and to do what it is that was asked of us in the scripture and what you asked of Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep, but also, and also to, to, you know, be compliant with that which you asked of us in the parable of the talents and rewards alongside of the wise and foolish virgins, immediately alongside of it, to help us to understand that sitting on our hands is, is not what you want of us. And we want to walk in total obedience because the combination of the refiner's fire, our 
challenge to learn from the refiner's fire and to learn to adjust our behaviors, get a better grip on and control on our emotions and not allow Satan to get a foothold on us because of the things that we're being subject to through persecution, sometimes from our family, sometimes from our jobs, sometimes from so many different parts of our lives that are almost invariably unanticipated in many cases, and uh, of course, which makes things even harder. And the more uh, negativity and, and, and persecution that we have to go to, Father, the more we need to draw into you, the more we need to take a deep breath and go into our uh, prayer closet or wherever it is that we want or traditionally do spend time in the secret place of the Most High with you and take that deep breath and focus on you, Jesus, and sing a song to you and grow in our intimacy with you so that we have a much, much better chance to be in the state that we need to be in in order to uh, be not only called but chosen and hopefully chosen for the barley harvest, uh, which as it stands right now, looking at the condition of the world, it doesn't seem like that's awfully far away, although there could be some delays because we, we understand, Father, that you're incredibly merciful and and we're very, very blessed to be in the place that we are in our walk. And, and I just pray, Father, that amidst all of the fiery trials that are to try us, that we will rejoice and we will uh, be happy about them, even though we might have spurts or moments where we slip a little bit because we're just so awfully frustrated with the situation and the surprise of the situation that caught us off guard. We just pray that you will totally purify our heart, our mind, our spirit of flesh and souls and cleanse them, Father. Just go through, uh, you know, allow the anointing of the Holy Spirit to uh, cleanse and purify the blood of Jesus, to cleanse and purify our our thoughts, our minds, and renew them always and continuously so that over time we will grow in, in the grace and the ability to be able to take that deep breath and recognize that the things that we're triggered by and the things that we're experiencing that that place us in a state of fear are not of you and robs us of the rewards that are so pervasive throughout your scripture when we truly, truly trust you, when we have surrendered everything to you. And we tr- when we come to that place, we praise you for helping us to understand that that is not only where the perfect peace is, but it's where the most, the greatest amount of divine protection is, and uh, the the where the most incredible promises that you have given those who love you kick in uh, at the most um, magnificent and glorious level. Uh, And we want to be a part of that. We want to receive your peace. We want to understand that perfect love from you casts out all fear. And uh, and we want to understand that we weren't given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and don't get freaked out and we don't let worry overcome us and we're we're anxious for nothing and we seek you in prayer and praise. We trust you for the peace of God that passes all understanding to enter into our hearts and minds, but we also know that we have to row the boat away from the rocks. And we just pray in the name of Jesus that you will help us to row that boat, to take conscious control of our tendency to uh, be 
human, uh, even as Jesus was, as he hung on the cross and said, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? And also, you know, take this cup from me if it is at all possible. Father, we, we praise you for helping us to understand the, the incredible duplicitous and um, and paradoxical nature of the scripture and how it truly harmonizes when we understand that it's not one thing or the other, but it's all of the above. It always is. The light isn't off. The light isn't on. It's somewhere in between. And we just praise you for that understanding of that, that, is just, that could only come from the wisdom of the throne room uh, and helps us to transcend uh, the confusion that's associated with most of the teachers and the teachings of, of, of folks out there who mean well and, lo- and perhaps love you. Maybe they're doing things a lot better better than we are for various reasons. Uh, I suspect in many cases it's because they're not, uh, you know, subject or not getting hit as hard from Satan, or perhaps they're in a better place where they're able, you know, maybe they have a husband that's a preacher full time, you know, uh, you know, in a big in a big ministry that that has a lot of the Holy Spirit activity in it, but um, and they're not, they're just simply not exposed to the things that were many of your other believers and those of us who love you are exposed to. Um, and we don't judge our brothers and sisters. We we have a holy uh, desire to walk in your will as best as possible, regardless of what it is in our life that you are bringing us through, because we do, in fact, know uh, that there is, therefore, now no condemnation from Satan uh, for those of us who love you, truly love you, and want to do your will, want to walk in harmony with your perfect will and be intimate with you, Jesus, have conversations with you, sitting in the dark, getting away from the rest of the family or doing the best we can to wake up a little bit earlier, even if it's only for 30 minutes so that we can beat the you know, the the sounds outside that would normally distract us and have a truly intimate period, even if it's just for a few minutes where we can sing to you, Lord, and grow in our intimacy with you uh, and take communion maybe even every day or at least several times a week to really become intimate and always uh, spend an appropriate amount of time, not only in prayer for our loved ones and others that have asked us for prayer, but also to use the weaponry of that you have given us for our, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in you, Father, for bringing down strongholds and and taking out every high thing, every high thing that exalts itself against you, Father, and Second Corinthians ten five. And we just praise you, Father, for that because it it helps us to understand that our weaponry is to you be used against high things, which is a reference to second order demons and uh, principalities and powers. So wrestling with them gives us the authority. And certainly uh, John 14, 12, 13, and 14 clearly state that greater things than these will we do because our King Jesus has gone unto the Father. And Father, we also know uh, this is not, this is nothing negative, but many, you know, we also know that many of some of the most anointed, uh, spirit-filled, Holy Spirit gifted and and uh, you know divine healers of the past, um, you know the Smith Wigglesworths of the world, the uh, Lester Summerall's of the world, the A. A. Allens of the world. Um, Father, you know we 
they didn't do anything more than Jesus did. Uh, and yet they were, you know, certainly some of the most incredible leaders that have ever walked the earth uh, and, and devoted their lives to your works. So that strongly indicates that the scripture that says greater things than these will we do because Jesus has gone unto the Father uh, indicates that those of us who are part of this season will rise up and and understand that if we're going to do greater things than Jesus did, then we're going to be doing things that are not written in the scripture. We're going to be going the extra mile. And that, of course, runs against the grain of many of our fellow brothers and sisters, and we just pray that they, well, we know that we believe with all of our heart that many of them, if not a good majority of them, will eventually awaken and join us, not that we're special, and we don't even know if we're going to be here for the time where the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit occurs and the enablement of supernatural miracles and healing growing out of arms, legs, and raising people from the dead who have been killed uh, by uh, awful, terrible civil war events in the streets and and much, much, much worse uh, things that are coming this way. Uh, uh, we just praise you, Father, for bringing us through that refiner's fire. We don't know what our role is at this point, but we feel pretty confident, and we thank you for this. We praise you for this, that we are part of that generation, uh, and, uh, and and that that calling will will fall at our feet, and we want to be a part of that. And we praise your holy name, and we thank you with all of our heart for this. I thank you for continuing the impossible, what seems to be impossible in earthly and fleshy eyes, uh, for, for me to be able to keep my job in the most... Uh, unrealistic circumstances that could ever be imagined. Uh, most people would not be able to relate to it, and some would. And Father, and that allows me to be able to continue to do your works as best as I can, uh, you know, until whatever changes take place that may uh, put us into a greater level of persecution and all of us being essentially uh, individuals who are, well, as we ought to be now, running our own ministries, even if those are uh, prayer and spiritual warfare uh, ministries of our own uh, with you uh, or Bible studies or whatever it is that that you lead us to do or giving, loving, touching, uh, sharing our financial um, uh, prosperity uh, that we may have, even by virtue of having a job with those who are less fortunate, uh, being you know compliant and in harmony with your scripture and your admonishments throughout, and inviting poor people and and, and underprivileged people uh, to our Christmas celebrations, and not just with our family, but always thinking of the lesser fortunate and and following your word on these things. And we just pray, Father, in the name of Jesus that you will quicken unto our spirit and help us to be able to hear, just like it says in Isaiah 30, 21, uh, your voice at all times. I praise your holy name and I thank you, Lord. And I I just want to lift you up and magnify you. I know that we all want to lift you up and magnify you. That's why we're here. That's why we're listening, whether or not it's recorded or live. And we give you all the praise and glory now and forever in Jesus' name. We praise you. Amen. 
praise you, Jesus. Tonight, it is now approximately 7.15, 7.20, after this 7 p.m. hour. Uh, thank you, Jesus, uh, on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. And tonight, together, we light the Sabbath candles, one for the Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm reaching, as always, one for the Son. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And one for the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I love to light three. And we just give you all the glory. The Hebrew Kaddish. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvotav V'ratzavanu V'shabat Kodsho V'yavah V'ratzon Hinchilanu Zikaron L'mase V'reshit Ki hu yom techila lemikra e kodesh zechelitziat mitzrayim. Ki vanu vacharta veotanu kidashta Mikol Hamim Vishabhat Kodshecha Be'ava Uvratzon Himchaltanu Baruch Adonai Mekadesh Holy Lord Jesus, please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our mind, our spirit, our flesh, our souls, our record-keeping books in heaven and our robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood and your holy fire. For Father, before your throne, we confess that we are in a continuous state of sin and we pray that if we are challenged by willful and even, worst-case scenario, habitual sin, whatever that may be, we reach out to you with our hands, and we pray with all of our heart, Lord Jesus, that you will continue to pray for us, to advocate for us, to walk with us, and to steady our path as we continue to seek you, continue to confess of whatever sin that we're struggling with, so that you will help to bring us out of it. And we praise you, Lord. We thank you. We, we, many of us have experienced your awesome mercy. And we pray that we will continue to experience your awesome mercy. We pray for strength and change, true change, to be quickened into our heart and to our spirit so that our walk becomes just a little more easy. And we do get to a place where we no longer exhibit, through your grace, uh, any of the uh, behaviors that you admonish us about in Galatians 5.19. Um, not that, that, and we praise you, Father, also for helping us to understand that Galatians 5.19 behaviors are not condemnations to hell. Uh, they are instead uh, those types of behaviors that if we do them 
routinely and regularly why the scripture says practicing such uh you know will infect will affect our inheritance in heaven and we don't want that to happen we want to be as pure and in harmony with your divine will and what you want for us to be we want to be like you lord jesus we want to be exactly like you as we're admonished to be and that's a really hard and, and tall bar uh, and, but we know that with your help we can be brought to that place even if we are trapped in the workplace trapped in a refiner's fire moment whatever that may be going through divorces going losing property or changing property or whatever the case is father where wherever you are bringing us in our walk we just pray father that you will continue the process of refining us with your mercy Lord Jesus Jesus praying for us, loving us, and lifting us up before the Father so that we are able to eventually reach a place to our determination and steadfast spirit where we are truly overcoming the the, um, surges in frustration, surges in our emotions sometimes that occur uh, so rapidly inside of us that uh, we sometimes don't even feel it coming. And we just want to come to a place where that becomes a blessing in our walk, part of our sanctification, and we can live in total peace uh, no matter how these frustrations may affect us and be okay with it because we learn through your for through through your teaching us through your impartation of your wisdom and what you know the what we need to do to be able to make those changes and please you and be in your perfect will in the mighty name of jesus we thank you for this father this is an awesome opportunity i know it's hard for us to imagine when we see the things happening around us but it is indeed an awesome opportunity to be able to serve you um, for, and for those of us who understand how great the rewards in heaven can be, not you know, all, while at the same time understanding that uh, you know serving you is something that must happen out of complete pure love for you, for Jesus, for our desire to please you, and for our love for our neighbors, the people around us, even those who, in the flesh, we feel. Well, in some cases, a little repulsed by, but we have to get beyond that and understand that in the the people of the world that are exhibiting awful behaviors are not exhibiting be, them because it, they in the flesh are it's demons, it's demons, and we are in charge. That is our that is our calling. That's why Mark sixteen sixteen seventeen and eighteen says that we will cast out demons, and we just praise you, Father, for helping us to understand that these are the things that are just commonplace. Uh, you know, th- these are the signs that, that will follow those who believe, and 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 we know that we believe, so they should be part of our walk. And we love you for that. We thank you for un- helping us to understand that and helping us to get to that place where we are walking in harmony with the things that you have asked us to do and become a part of. We praise your holy name forever and ever, and thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your help. Thank you for placing that steadfast spirit upon our hearts. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus.
beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. For it was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. 
Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. Praise God. Thank you. 
over as for me, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. 1 Samuel 12:23. Praise you, Jesus. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm, part of Psalm 23, verses 3 and 6. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Father, we pray that you will make us an instrument of your peace. And where there is hatred, so love. Where there is industry, um, injury, so pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. And where there is despair, let us give hope. Where there is darkness, let us shine light. Where there is sadness, let us help those who are going through such times to understand joy in spite of it. Father God, grant that we will not so much seek to be consoled ourselves as to console others. Not so much to be understood, but to understand others. Not so much to be loved, but to give love to others through Christ. For it is in giving that we receive and pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is dying, in dying, that we are born into your gift of eternal life. And we praise you for that. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your mercy towards those who fear you. As high as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pitieth his children, so do you, Father, pity those who fear you. You know our frame. You remember we are dust. Psalm 103.11 The key words here are so powerful. It's all about whether or not you fear God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And it's in, to, in, in today's world, the idea that we can fear and love somebody at the same time, runs contrary to probably over 70 or 80 years of people's understanding, if not longer. But I praise God that for many of us, understanding that is a key part of the walk because if it wasn't for the penalties of willful sin, believing that we're once saved, always saved, and living in continuous sin, we might meet with Footsteps coming down the hall that are not coming to take us to heaven. And we don't want to be in that place. Not at all. So we praise you, Father, and we ask you to lead us, to help us to understand, and to be able to embrace the horrors of hellfire so that we do understand the gravity and the significance of willful and habitual sin. We don't want to be a part of it, and we pray that if we're in a place where we're suffering from addictions or whatever it is in our life that draws us in on occasion, whatever it is, that you will give us the strength, the steadfast spirit, and Jesus, your helping hand and prayer, advocacy, and the courts of heaven that we would overcome, even if it takes a little bit of time. We praise you for that. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Father, keep back us, your servants, from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over us. 
and then we will be blameless. We shall be innocent of great transgression. Psalm 19, verse 13. Praise your name. Thank you, Father. For our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is not in Ukraine. Our citizenship is not in the United States. Our citizenship is not in Canada. Our citizenship is not in Australia. Our citizenship is not in Chad. Our citizenship is not in Johannesburg. Our citizenship is in heaven. For we have been crucified in Christ. And it is no longer we who live, but you, Lord Jesus, who lives in us. Teach us to be always ever-present in your presence, understanding that we're simply in a hologram for a time. Let us serve you in a greater way with faith that transcends that which is written. Otherwise, how is it we will do greater things than even Jesus did when he was on the earth? Help us, Father, to enjoy prosperity while we have it. And understand that the word prosperity in the Bible doesn't mean a new car that it means peace, love, joy, because we're not really from here. <laughs> we're not staying here, no matter what. And understanding that that, your divine protection, our ability to feed ourselves and to have a roof over our head, is prosperity. And understand that when hard times come, that both come from you, Father. Understanding that nothing is certain in this life. Ecclesiastes 7, 14, we praise you. And we thank you, Father, for knowing us before we were born. That every day in our lives were recorded in your book about us. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. But it doesn't mean that we can't deviate from that which you have written in your book, willfully. We praise you, Lord, for teaching us that even though the Scripture says that we are in Jesus' hands and also says in the same verses that we are in your hands, that it is possible to willfully jump out of your hands. And we will never do that. We will continuously seek you and hum humility before your throne and fear of eternal damnation, understanding that the penalties for sin are death, willful and habitual sin, for we are always in a state of sin. Romans 14.23b says, that which is not from faith is sin. And we praise you for helping us to understand these things so that we're able to have peace, understanding that it is your righteousness, Father, not ours. 
your righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. Understanding that we are your workmanship, created in Jesus to do good works out of love which you, Father, have prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And we pray that you will help us to navigate the difficulties, the refiner's fire, the explosive events that would generate fear in any normal-thinking human in the flesh. Help us to transcend the flesh. Help us to understand, John 10:34, where you, Lord Jesus, looked at the people and said, Pharisees, have I not said that ye are gods? And Father, we pray that you will have pity and love and forgive those Christians who would shake their finger at the very idea. It's all over the Internet of how aberrant and wrongful it is to even think that. Yet, it was you, Jesus, that said those very words. And we praise you for that because it helps us to understand that if we are you in, in Messiah Christ, if we have truly died of self, we are citizens of heaven, we are a royal priesthood, we are part of the Godhead, then we are de facto minor gods incarnated in human bodies. And we praise you for helping us to understand it because it unlocks the mystery of that which so many before us, thousands of years, have tried to understand. Predestination. The scriptures that talk about knowing us before we were even born on the earth and then making less than adequate assumptions that pigeonhole the glory associated with who we are in such a manner that it diffuses the understanding of the power that you've bestowed upon us through the blood of Jesus, which is exactly what the evil one would want. We pray that we will continue to transcend that understanding and to continue to move higher and higher and higher, understanding that the last couple of verses of the Gospel of John say, I suppose if we had written down everything that Jesus had done, it would fill up enough books to fill the entire world. We praise you for this understanding. We thank you, Lord, for helping us to go higher. Higher. Thank you, Jesus. And now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Praise you, Lord, for those words. Because they're really kind of hard to understand, really. It, what is exceedingly abundantly? According to the power that works in us. The power. Oh, all of us. Father, we pray will be infused with an anointing of faith that takes us in courage, like Joshua in one nine. Courage to be able to go farther and higher 
and our prayer power, understanding that that is intended to exceed even those miracles that Jesus did through his power as God incarnate on the earth. What a blessing that is. And if we simply live within the realm of the words written in the 31,102 verses of the Bible, then we will never go higher. We will never aspire to say, Mountain, be ye cast down into the sea. Let us walk in a way that we know who we are, a royal priesthood over all of creation, operating in the courts of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. We give you all the praise, Lord. At this time, we clear the air. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of God, principalities and powers, strongholds, spiritual hosts of wickedness and rulers of darkness in high places. In the name of Jesus, we call down fire swords of cherubim that cut you into pieces and fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you into perpetual and screaming agony. In the name of Jesus Christ, disarming you and making a public spectacle of you thereof in the demonic ether referred to as the high places. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of God, we pray in Jesus' name and we declare that any entity of the darkness, worker of Satan, live or dead human spirit, demon, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus its Lord and Savior, that at the moment that they set its will, their wills against us, that they shall be immediately struck by the holy fire of God, and that fire will stick to them like napalm and burn them in the screaming agony and disarm them in accordance with Colossians 2.15. We bind that before the courts of heaven in Jesus' name. At the moment that they set their wills against us, all earthly and spiritual weapons shall be burned by the fire of God in the name of Jesus if they set their wills against us. We command in Jesus' name that the rule of the victor, the Lord Jesus Christ, our victory and our power through Christ is over all demonic regions that attempt to set their wills against us. We exercise the rule of the victor, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ through us against all demonic regions that have permitted spirits in or through their territory to come against us. We command it to be immediately cut off from ever receiving power from the kingdom of darkness again. We require the immediate disbursement of all of their funds from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We take them from the demons of darkness that attempted to grab them from our angels, and we send them directly back into the kingdom of light that they may be used for your will, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. We require the immediate destruction of all books, artifacts, of sorcery. We require in the name of Jesus the burning of all demonic contracts and agreements against us or our loved ones in Jesus' name. We require the immediate reversal of all of their schemes, cancellation of all of their assignments against us and the holy fire of God to burn them, angels to descend upon them and to strike them deaf, blind, and dumb, to cast them into the pit and to and that holy fire in the mighty name of Jesus to weld the pit shut, to permeate the pit, to burn them in the screaming agony and perpetuity in the name of Jesus. And we plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit. For only the Lamb of God can break the seals. 
Father, we also pray in the mighty name of Jesus for a platoon of warrior angels on a search and destroy mission in Jesus' name to be assigned to us to ferret out all attempts to come against us. For Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is in the hands of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, you turn it wherever you wish. The scripture also says, When a man's ways please the Lord, even he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. In the name of Jesus, we claim these scriptures before your high, holy, supreme courts of all the all creation, all the universes, all the dimensions, all the realms, all the trillions of life forms, all of the planets, across all of the galaxies, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. We praise your holy name. Father, we declare in the mighty name of Jesus your holy fire to swirl around our dwelling places. We decree in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and by his blood for very huge, dangerous warrior angels to stand guard at our dwelling places and to follow us wherever we go or wherever any of our loved ones go. We, div- we ask for your divine protection. We declare in the mighty name of Jesus with the power that you have given us, according with your scripture, that greater things than these will we do. We do not... We do not come before you, Father God, in a, in a manner that is, that is uh, uh, um, you know, we, we understand the authority that you have given us, Father God, and we come boldly before your throne of grace, and we, and we declare these things in the mighty name of Jesus, because these are promises that you have given us in, all, in your word, which is our Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. This time, I'd like to use holy oil. I'd like to use it all the time. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to make a cross, just like the Israelites did, just before the three days of darkness with the Lamb's blood. They made a cross over their door, door, doorposts. You know, the, this is so awesome. Father, in the name of Jesus, we consecrate ourselves into your complete ownership. Lord Jesus, into your holy hands. Father, into your holy hands. We consecrate ourselves unto your holiness. We pray, Father, that you will consecrate us. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against us or our loved ones. We declare the abundant grace of God, the living water, the crystal river, to flow deep into our heart, our soul, and our spirit to purify us so that we can walk in the purity of Titus 1, verse 5, to the pure, all things are pure, and to understand why that's true. Because, as it says in Isaiah 29, verse 6, 26, verse 9, for when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. And at midnight, we shall rise and give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. To understand that even when the evil one is allowed to do what he does, it's an opportunity to bring people into the kingdom. We praise you for using him in the way that for so many would lead them to you. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus upon us, and we plead the blood of Jesus upon each member of our family, all those who are hurt and healing. We plead that blood upon them in the name of Jesus on their behalf. 
We rebuke the devil, we turn our backs on him and the demons of darkness, and they must flee, for they have nothing in us. We praise you, Father God, for John, First uh, John 1, 9, for if we confess of our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We declare that holy fire to form a hedge of protection in the midst of a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot and to sustain it. We pray in the name of Jesus that that whirlwind of the Holy Spirit will sustain it even past this prayer vigil. We pray in the name of Jesus and declare in the name of Jesus that that whirlwind of the Holy Spirit will continue to hold that fire white hot in the name of Jesus, punching through the spiritual realm, through the firmament of the rock, and into your throne room of God, into your throne room, Father, and to unite into the glory pillar there. And we pray in Jesus' name that even if we slip a little, even if we have a moment, that that whirlwind of the Holy Spirit in the mighty name of Jesus will kick up and it will continue to blow that fire white hot in the name of Jesus Christ, sustaining it and expanding it outward in Jesus' name, burning the demons of darkness into horrific pain and agony in Jesus' name and making a public spectacle of them in accordance with Colossians 2.15. We praise your name. Father, we abandon ourselves into your hands. In the midst of all of these scary things around us, in the midst of the awful things that are happening to so many of us, or have happened, that are still affecting us, Father, we abandon them. We abandon ourselves completely into your hands. Do with us what you will. We're not from here. We're not. We're citizens of heaven. None of this matters. It just doesn't matter. It really does. It's hard to go through, but it doesn't matter. And we pray that you will do whatever you need to do. We surrender ourselves completely to you. Whatever you may do, we thank you for it. We praise your name. And we ask you, Father, if we need more refining, refine us. All we ask, Father, is that maybe in the midst of that refining, that you will send angels, you will have merciful patience and long-suffering for us and give us the time that we need through our steadfast dedication to overcome that we would not have to be chastened and that we would be able to be given the grace and the long-suffering necessary to overcome these things through our prayer and praise that you would call attention to them through a quickening of the Spirit or a word from one of our fellow brothers and sisters who are a part of the body at the perfect time, which is your perfect time. Let only, Father, your will be done in us and all of us. We wish, truly, no more than this. Father, into your hands we commit our souls and spirits and we offer them to you. We beseech you to protect them and hold them in your hand. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. You are all we have. And it's such a great place to be. For we are surrounded by ever-encroaching darkness. 
even amidst those who believe that there are hopeful things happening in the world that will turn stuff around. And even if that were true, it would really make no difference because we know what the imminent future holds, regardless. And we take peace in knowing that through humility and love, perseverance, a true desire to surrender ourselves into your hands, having boundless confidence because we trust you, surrendering all of those feelings, emotions, and frustrations, sadnesses, to you, so that we can peacefully close our eyes, reside in the secret place of the Most High, and enjoy the protection and the promises that you have given us. Remaining steadfast and very patient, knowing it might take a while, but the answer will come if we keep on pestering you and seeking you with unstoppable determination no matter how difficult it is for us to overcome, we know we will. Because you will bring us to that place. You promise to do so. And you, Father, are not a man that you would lie. Therefore, we have faith. We know it is true. And all we're asked to do is persevere. Pray always. And to be like the persistent widow in Luke 18, continuously praying over and over again and praising you for the end result long before we've received it. Because we will receive it. We thank you, Father, for this awesome opportunity to serve you throughout all creation Thank you, Father. Praise your holy name. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. And O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay. Daniel 9.19. Do not delay, Father, we pray. For your people, the hopeful firstfruits bride of your son, our friend, our first love, Jesus. We cry out to you and beseech you this night that our prayers would not be hindered, 1 Peter 3, 7, and that continuous, ever-present whirlwind of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Fire remain wrapped around like a fire tornado and a wormhole and a vortex through and across time and space directly into your throne room. that we would never have a moment of praise or prayer be hindered. In Jesus' name, and we thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you all the glory because, Father, we need all the peace, the anointing, the trust, the surrender, the love, and the joy residing in that secret place of the Most High transcending what it is we think we are on this earth through the wisdom that you have imparted upon us through your grace and mercy. Glory to you, Father, forever and ever. Amen. 
Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The Courts of Heaven Scriptures. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you, we all, are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood now, not in the future, right now. 
We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Our Lord Jesus' own special people, that we have been blessed with the ability to proclaim the praises of our Father, who called us all out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who at one time had not obtained mercy but now have. Ezekiel 22.30 Father, we sought for a man, or you sought for a man amongst us who would make a wall and stand in a gap before you on behalf of the land that we should not, that you should not destroy it. But you found no one. And Father, here we are. Isaiah 6.8 We heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who will go for us? And we said, Father, here we are. Send us. Matthew eighteen eighteen. This really zeroes in on the courts of heaven scriptures. Assuredly, Jesus said, I tell you, I say unto you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. These are legal terms. This is courts. This is operating in the courts of heaven. So interestingly, even without knowing that you're operating in the courts of heaven, essentially you are. But when you really know that you are, then you understand how sharp that sword is that you can wield in the spirit. Binding and loosing clauses and contracts. We've all heard of binding contracts. Most of us haven't heard of loosing a clause, but that's, these are all legal terms. If we went to law school or became paralegal, we would understand them. We'd be part of our daily work. But here Jesus speaks a mystery and tells us whatever we bind here on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will, in fact, be loosed in heaven. So we are operating in the heavenly courtrooms. Our prayers are acknowledged. And my understanding, this is not something I can support with Scripture, but from what I've been told by those who have been taken to heaven that are, and been in the spiritual realm and seen spiritual fights amongst demons and principalities, etc., they have told me, because we're operating out of faith here on earth, the power in the spiritual realm, the significance and the magnitude of the prayer that is uttered here on earth out of faith yields a much greater um, Weapon output, if you want to call it that, or uh, result, much greater result than even those who are in the courts of heaven directly. That our Father, as we pray and we use spiritual warfare power, acknowledges and gives greater significance 
I can see him and imagine in my heart sitting in the courts of heaven or maybe one of the four and twenty elders. Those courts of heaven are over all creation. They're probably busy 24 by 7. Although 24 by 7 is an interesting concept when you think about heaven. Especially because a single day on the planet Venus takes 243 Earth days. Hmm. If planet heaven is a really, really big multidimensional planet, really large, can you imagine how long a day actually is? But you might say to yourself, oh, there there aren't days there because there's no shadow of turning. But that's the glory of God in Mount Zion. Mount Zion is not as a teeny weeny little part of a very big place. But it is where all the city mansions are. It is where the courts of heaven are. It is where all the apostles have their dwelling places. Many of the patriarchs, like Abraham and David, lived there. Some of us, hopefully all, will receive the privilege of a city mansion and a country mansion. Why would we want both? Is it possible that the country mansions are so beautiful, even though they're in the shadowy areas of heaven? Sadly, so misunderstood by those who read the Bible in churches, making awful mistakes of assuming that the outer darkness is some bad place because there's wailing and gnashing of teeth, supposedly. I think that's an overstatement. People will be very, very sad if they are told to leave Mount Zion. If they are told to leave the wedding supper because they thought they qualified. Maybe they got there or walked there or were, you know, who knows how big the multitudes were, will be of the saints that are, that are being invited. The thousands of years that have trans fired and the thousands oh goodness is it millions of saints before us who have long passed away they're still coming to the wedding supper too providing that they lived the life that the Lord wanted them to they were called and chosen it makes you wonder when they opened those gates, probably blowing some type of a shofar, letting people know that it's time for the wedding supper, because oftentimes we, be, we are a little myopic in our vision or our understanding. We imagine that we're the only pebble on the beach, just us now. It doesn't include the saints from the 1500s. But that's not the way it is. They're up there living there now. And many of them are going to the wedding supper. If Venus has a rotational time of 243 day, days on Earth, 
So essentially, one day on Venus takes 243 Earth days to occur. Imagine. What is the rotational speed of this phenomenal, incredible, multidimensional planet where our Heavenly Father has set up a place that is so glorified that words cannot describe? How many of the people in the country mansion area, which is gorgeous, like Thomas Kincaid mansions, and, you know, we think of a mansion as meaning gigantic. But that's not necessarily the case. Although there are different sizes of dwelling places in heaven, even in the country suburbs or the shadowy area, where there is day and night. Otherwise, there wouldn't be shadows, would there? But there are. I wonder how large the multitudes of people will be that are called to the wedding supper who are currently in those beautiful Thomas Kincaid mansions all over probably thousands and thousands of miles of the most glorified, incredibly beautiful land and scenery and mountains and crystal clear lakes that we can breathe underwater, talk to the animals, listen to flowers, sing, step on grass and watch it bloom and get green, even greener. Be in the presence of people who we, at first, recognize, who knew us before we came to earth, who have been praying for us for a long time, being handed gifts that were custom-made for us, being taken into a dwelling place that is designed only that which God would know is in our heart. If we like leather, leather it will be. If we like brass and dark woods, brass and dark woods it will be. But there will be glories. There will be things built into our dwelling places that words cannot describe. Brooks, water, that runs through large rooms. And as the water trickles over the top of these beautiful gemstones, it plays music. Libraries. Gorgeous, incredible, amazing books about things that we could only imagine in our wildest dreams and in eternity to read them. Beautiful hard walnut woods. Animals that can talk to us. Albeit, sounds like baby talk, but they can talk to us. Just like they did in the Book of Jubilees. What we have ahead of us is so amazing that we just can't imagine it. 
And in reality, what the scripture says is true. No eye has seen or ear heard those things which God has stored up for those of us who love him. What that means is that all these testimonies of people who have been taken to heaven, as glorious as they are, they have only been shown a tiny part of it. John twenty twenty three. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So, but why would you retain the sin of somebody? It would be it would be like when Paul turned over certain people in the New Testament epistles to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that they would ultimately end up being saved. Which, by the way, aligns beautifully with how God will take some of those who he has tried to call, and he knows the only way he can bring them home is to allow them and their sin to cause them to commit a behavior that results in their imprisonment or allows the darkness to inflict a deadly disease upon them, knowing that as they lie in their hospital bed, imminently facing the end of their fleshy life, that they will seek our Father and our Lord Jesus more than they ever have in their life, thus being given mercy on their deathbed. But God will find a way. So there's the answer to why retain the sins of someone. It would be out of love because they're not responding. But I would see that as Paul did being a last resort. Now it says if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. Now, how does that work? Oh, only Jesus can forgive sins. Really? That's not what John twenty twenty three says. Oh, wait. Remember when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Did the Father respond to Jesus? Henry Groover's testimony says that the Father told him when a knife was held to his neck by a member of Hezbollah in a cave as he was prayer walking in the Middle East, in the presence of several Hezbollah soldiers, quickened upon his spirit silently to pray silently, Father, forgive him, for he knows not what he does. Once that Hezbollah soldier was forgiven, completely eliminated the ability of the demons to control him anymore. Some of the most powerful words that we can utter are those. When we ask out of love for our Father to forgive someone else, someone who's doing us wrong, someone who has done or is doing us wrong or something awful to us, 
Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Victims of demons. You know this, Father. I pray that you forgive them. Please forgive them. And at that moment, when our Father forgives them, it looses the legal rights of the demons to stay. They are no longer able to control the individual. And as with Henry Groover's testimony, the Hezbollah soldier dropped the knife and said, get out of here. And he walked free. The demons fled, and Henry walked free. Therein lies your answer to John twenty twenty three. If you forgive the sins of any, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They are forgiven them. Get it? And if you retain the sins of any, then they're retained. Why would you do that? Because you can't get through to them any other way, and they're causing some serious problems. So you're as a last resort, as Paul did, he turned them over for the destruction of the flesh, that they would ultimately make it to heaven. Destruction of the flesh, what does that mean? Cancer. Okay. Or something similar. That doesn't mean that God won't use all sorts of different means to bring a saint home, because he loves to bring a saint home. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints the earthly death, because he wants to bring us home. But he also needs us to do what he needs us to do here, which is to serve out of love. Praise God. Listen to this, Daniel 9.19. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act and do not delay. For your own sake, my God. Why would it be for God's sake? What, why, what does God need us to do anything? Well, the reason is because our Heavenly Father, at the establishment of all of creation, established rules. Sort of like the courts that are here on the earth, where they have minimum sentencing guidelines for various behaviors and such like that. And in some cases, not all, the judge has the flexibility to be able to take into consideration various dynamics that occurred or first offense or whatever and adjust the sentencing. But they must be within the guidelines. And if it's mandatory minimums, then those have to be followed. No matter how the judge feels, even if it's his own son, although he would recuse himself because it was his son, then he could be – but I'm just saying – Which, by the way, is how our Father established the courts of heaven. Those rules for the universes and the judging of the universes by Yahvah-El, the God of gods, the Most High El-Elyon, our Father. Those rules were created probably before time even existed. And because our Father is holy, 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 like any other godly, righteous judge, he would follow the rules. There would be no favoritism, cronyism, nepotism. He would simply follow the rules, no matter what 
no matter what. And that's why when God established the rules, he made it such that he needs his people to pray down the power. For we are Christ on the earth. We operate in the courts of heaven. It is for our Father's sake because it is his will that no one would perish. Therefore, that's why God spoke through Isaiah in Isaiah 43:25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Same words. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act, Daniel said. Please do not delay. For your own sake, Daniel says. So Daniel knew this mystery. And our father goes on to say, it'll blot out our transgressions for his sake. And he will not remember our sins. Which proves that the scripture that says that all will have to give an account for everything, the yada, 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 doesn't apply to those who get, receive a hug from Jesus and a welcome home, good and faithful servant. doesn't apply because you can't have to give an account if the Lord doesn't remember your sins. So there are different rules that apply to those who are obedient Christians and love our Father, love Jesus with all their heart, fear God, but love him as we ought. And that is the secret place of the Most High. Hebrews 8, 6. But now he, it's Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator, the attorney in charge, of a better covenant. An attorney in heaven, a mediator, that is, of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. Well, how could that be? Pretty simple. If you were under Levitical law and you were a kid and you did really bad things, your parents could take you out in the street and stone you to death. <laughs> okay, you know, it's not. It, 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 you know, when Jesus came, he brought the love covenant with him, but he raised the bar of behaviors. He had the right to do so because he was the he is and was destined to be the mediator of the better covenant in the courts of heaven which are established on better promises. Because if we confess of our sins, he, our Father, is faithful and just. Why do you suppose God is just to forgive us of our sins? Why is it a just thing for our Father to do? Could, could it be that because he knows that we are from dust? Praise God. Zechariah 3, 1 through 7, talks about the actual stuff that goes on in the courts of heaven. Imagine it goes on all the time. And if it's in the courts of heaven, there wouldn't even be any shadow of turning. There would only be the glory light of God, which would be so amazing 
that there wouldn't be any shadows there. It's all light. But we, as light beings, glorified, it's real. It's way more real than what we see here now. Trillions of colors that don't exist here on this realm. Incredible, miraculous beauty that cannot be spoken by the word of a man or a woman on earth. Although in Christ there is neither man nor woman, Jew or Gentile, for we are all one in the body of Christ. Zechariah 3, 1 through 7, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest. High priest. wonder how high the high priest is. Probably kind of like in charge of other priests, wouldn't you imagine? Standing before the angel of the Lord. So Zechariah is like having this incredible vision, almost like Stephen when he was getting stoned. He wasn't saying, oh God, that hurts. Oh my God, please, oh Lord Jesus, help me. No. He was already left his body. He, he, his spirit, man, his light being the real Stephen, was looking up into heaven, seeing right through the dimensions. Just like Zechariah here. He sees the high priest Joshua standing before the angel, the angel of the Lord. And then he sees Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him, to accuse him. He's the accuser of the brethren who accuses the brethren both day and night, Revelation 12. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. So our Heavenly Father steps in on behalf of Joshua. He rebukes Satan because Satan's going, he did this, he did that. And the Lord said, shut up. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now, do you think that Satan said, Nana boo boo, Nana boo boo to God? Thumbed his nose at him? Stuck up his finger? Shook his fist? No. What do we understand? God is in control. Yahweh El, the God of gods. It's in the Bible. Verse 3, Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. And then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away those filthy garments from him. And to, and to him, he, our father, said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you in rich robes. And... Our father said then, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head. They put clean clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, if you walk in my ways, if you keep my command, if, 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 my command, then you shall also judge my courts, and likewise have char uh, my house, and likewise have charge over my courts. Now, what you can derive from this, which is fascinating, is it says, then you shall also judge my house. 
Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that you would stand in front of a dwelling place and go, you know, I just don't like the color of the paint. (laughs) So obviously, right here, you know that the concept of judging my house is really judging all the sons of God, all the beings of the universe, all of creation. My house. And likewise have charge over my courts. So you're not just a bailiff. You're in charge. And I will give you places to walk amongst these who stand here. Gosh, I wish I could see them. How many was it? How many is in the courts of heaven during any court case? You know how people sit in the back and there's like almost like an audience area for people to come in and watch certain court cases? How big do you think that is in the courts of heaven? Are all the courtrooms the same size? Where do the four and twenty elders hang out? Do we get to hang out with them and ask them questions about stuff? What do they do in their spare time? What do they look like? Zechariah 2.5 says, For I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire around her, and I will be the glory in her midst. There's your holy fire. Which, by the way, is the same stuff that the two witnesses, which are the lampstand and the olive tree, which is a metaphor for the Christians, and the olive tree, we are we are Gentiles grafted onto the vine, right? Amen. And what is that vine from? The olive tree, which is, well, if you think about it, really, it's all part of the whole story of the New Testament, the new covenant of love. Jesus spent most of his time going, doing his best that he could to bring in the multitudes from Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. And then Paul was given a different ministry, which was to go after the Gentiles. But ultimately it was one and the same ministry because Ephesians 2, um, 2, 9, 10, and 11 say that Jesus broke down the middle wall of separation, making the two Jew and Gentile, into one. Which means that when Jesus was saying what he was saying to the Jews, it applied to us too, because he made two into one. We're all one and the same. There is no such thing as a Messianic Jew. It's ridiculous. But, for some reason, they like to defend, you know, to to give themselves that label, and that's fine. I don't think it really offends the Lord, but it is contrary to what the scripture says. <laughs> Praise God. Proverbs 6, 7, or I'm sorry, 16, 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Revelation 1, 5 through 6, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Wow. Kings and priests. 
You know, that's why we know that from an eternal ruling and reigning standpoint, being part of the ruling class of Jesus, the ruling class, the fellow sufferers, the metakoi, not everybody is. A lot of, lot, in fact, the mass, pretty much, probably ninety-nine point nine 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 percent of all Christians do not, will not make the bride, will not make the rapture. Doesn't mean they're going to hell, but they will not have city mansions in Mount Zion. That's for sure, and also depending on how disobedient they were as Christians. Might be pretty dagnabbed, sad. Well, yeah, maybe, you know, depending. Because after all, they do cry. And I know people will point to the Scripture and say that Jesus will wipe every tear away, but does that apply to all of them? Does that apply to the people who were mass murderers that were on death row? And... Franklin Graham shows up with the Bible and they give their lives to Jesus and they cry and they mean it. Are they going to the wedding supper? Are they going to live in the same neighborhood as us? No, they're not. And that same principle applies to the disobedient Christians. And there's degrees of disobedience, which is why 1 Corinthians 3, 14, 15, 16, etc. says, And your works will be tested of fire of what sort they are. And those whose works remain, which means result in good things that lead them to heaven, will receive a reward. And then those that don't will receive a loss. Their behaviors, their they you know, what they tried to do didn't result in anything, they didn't bear fruit. And for the things that you know, when we slip up, when we make mistakes, it's it's a it's a merit demerit system. And then at the end, somehow, because God is God and he knows all the things and all the roles and everything else, and Jesus is God. For I and the Father are one, John ten thirty. All the there's going to be, you know, there was even a one woman that had a testimony of being in heaven, and she said, there were all these presents in the room when I was there, but I was told there were so many that I wasn't allowed to open. Well, I knew immediately what that meant. Those were the losses that she took from various behaviors that she had. It doesn't mean that God remembers those sins. It just means that there are there's inheritance and rewards associated with our walk. And it's not about volume. It's about quality. Because it says in 1 Corinthians 3, 14, 15, 16, now where our works are tested by fire of what sort they are. The word sort means what quality, what level of quality they are. It's not about volume about quality. Hebrews 12, 22 to 24 talks about heaven. It's so fascinating how so many try to downgrade this. 
making up excuses why this can't be talking about heaven or but no it 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 is we operate in heaven that which we bind on earth is bound in heaven that which we loose on earth is loose in heaven we operate in heaven spiritually we operate in heaven even though we're here still and our power the magnitude of, of what of our operations in heaven is far greater and more powerful because of the fact it's out of faith Hebrews 12:22 but you have come to Mount Zion the city of the living God wait a minute i don't feel like i'm anywhere near mount zion but it says i have come to mount zion the city of god well the city of god is where on mount zion in heaven but i've come there how is that even possible because we operate there out of faith you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, city of God. Now, why do you suppose it calls it, why our Father calls himself the living God? Because the big difference between our Heavenly Father and all the minor gods is if a minor god misbehaves, God can condemn him. which makes him the only real God. So there can be minor gods, but they're not beyond. They don't have the ability to do whatever they want to do. If that were true, there would be no devil, and there would not have been the massive incarnation that happened at Mount Hermon, ultimately. Sons of God came down on into the daughters of men without getting into all the details. Could never happen. Come to the heavenly Jerusalem. So right there, it seals the deal. It's in heaven. Where's the heavenly Jerusalem? What do you think the people on earth are going to think about a very, very, very large cube-shaped UFO descending from the heaven, probably really, really brilliantly lit up due to the glory of God? And why does it say it's adorned as a bride? How is it that a cube... That's a heavenly Jerusalem that comes down from the sky and lands on planet Earth is seen as anything other than some kind of a freaky deaky Borg spaceship that's lit up with the glory of God by the people that are here, the survivors. There will be many. Many. It's adorned as a bride because the bride is inside. Glorified and our true selves, light beings. We look normal to ourselves, except there's a different level of glory. The greater the glory that the person has upon them, the brighter the light is. And people that don't and have not achieved a high enough level of glory can't get closer and closer to the city of the living God because the glory light becomes too bright and they can't be in its presence. Some that have been taken to heaven had to eat from the fruit of a special tree along the crystal river in order to even be able to go up the hill to the city of the living God. To an innumerable company of angels, 
Sounds like a lot to me. To the General Assembly, what would that be? Sounds like Congress. <laughs> Congress would be where? What are what what are they? Lawmakers, <laughs> right? It's so like incredibly cool and obvious. Praise God. The Church of the Firstborn, who are registered in heaven. Registered. It's an interesting word. To God, the Judge of all including the minor gods, Yahweh, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator, once again, that word, which means lawyer or advocate, of the new covenant, there's that word again, the new covenant, of, and of the blood of sprinkling that speaks better than uh, better things than that of Abel. Praise God. Awesome stuff. And then, so not only do you have Daniel in chapter 925 praying to the Lord and confessing of the sins of the people of Israel on their behalf, on their behalf, I thought that each individual person had to confess of their sins. But evidently that isn't the case. Because if that were true, then Daniel didn't know what he's doing. Neither did Nehemiah in chapter 1, verses, uh, ver- 1, verse 6. He says in verse 6, he says, Please, Father, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you night and day. For the children of Israel, your servants, and confess, confess of the sins of the children of Israel, which have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances of which you commanded your servant Moses. Well, here you have Nehemiah. He's standing before God. I can imagine his hands are raised to heaven, and he's saying, I confess, Father, before you of the people, of the sins of the children of Israel. Huh? What right does he have to do that? Oh. That goes right back to John twenty twenty five. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. All these things, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Um, wow. Just one scripture right after another that just confirms, cross-confirms, harmonizes, and makes the scripture perfect. As it is. But you have to understand who all the players are, all the, who, all, who all the groups are. The rules are not the same for every group that's mentioned in the Bible. The patriarchs, David, Joshua, um, you name it, every one of them, Jeremiah, Isaiah, they didn't get to go to heaven when they died. No, 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 they didn't. They had to go to a land known as Limbo. Unfortunately, the Catholic Church has convoluted it and twisted it and called it purgatory and then used it for a source of profit by lying to their constituency. But it was actually called limbo. It was the very tippity-top layer level of heaven, and it was actually a very nice place. 
but they had to hang out there. I imagine that their time didn't really pass the way that we see time now. I can only imagine how torturous that would have been for the patriarchs to know that they were in a a place that was very nice, wondering why they were kind of there. I imagine that their perception of time must have been non-existent, that they would have peace, but they couldn't go to heaven. That's why Jesus, after the earthquake and the renting of the beautiful uh, purple uh, curtain in the tabernacle and the dead rising out of their graves, wow, that's pretty amazing, huh? And then Jesus descends down. Where is he descending to? He's going down the limbo. He's going to fetch all of the patriarchs of the Old Testament, but not just the ones we know, also the other ones who did a pretty good job loving God and desiring with all of their hearts to be obedient, confessing of their sins, asking God to wipe out their iniquity, just like King David did in Psalm 51. It's amazing stuff. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, if we only understood the authority that we have in Christ. And oh, if we only understood how important it is that we strive, seeking God with all of our heart, Jeremiah 29, 13. Not tempting God and limiting Him by complaining, getting frustrated, That's hard, especially in this day and age. I imagine it was hard also during the time of the apostles and Jesus. After all, some of them were getting sawed in half. Can't imagine. Can you imagine that? Having to be graceful and Jesus-like as they held you down and put a saw on your stomach and started to move it back and forth. The cool thing is that we know through experience of NDE near-death experiences, which are actually, that's a misnomer, those are actual deaths, that the Jesus pulls us, the real us, the minor God us, for when we see him, we will be like him. If we're going to be like Jesus, then what are we? It's not complicated. He pulls us out of our clay bodies into our glorious bodies before we feel the cut of the saw. But if we are truly behaving like Jesus, we're not screaming bloody murder. We're probably praising God and singing songs like those who were persecuted and slaughtered before Nero. And one of the earliest persecutions of massive amounts of Christians made a spectacle of in front of all of the pagan citizenry. 
they liked to go and watch the slaughter of the Christians as they would walk hand in hand with their children, knowing that they were going to die a painful death, but also knowing that they were going to glory. So they sang praise. Some evidently some very ancient writings that are a little piecemeal indicate that Nero had actually put his hands over his ear, um, kind of like the Grinch in the Grinch That Stole Christmas cartoon, the original one, where he said, and by the way, the symbolism of that is amazing. It's very symbolic of Jesus, but of course people wouldn't understand that typically, but it is. Because the Grinch put his hands over his ears and he said, Why must the Who's down in Whoville sing? Why must they sing, 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 sing? He was angry. And that's what happened with Nero. The Christians were singing praise. With their kids holding their hands, knowing they were about to be set on fire for the enjoyment of the crowds to watch. And that's how we're supposed to be, even when that saw touches our flesh. In peace and grace, like Christ. That's a tall order, isn't it? It is to me. Because when I was a little kid, if I even stubbed my toe, <laughs> I thought I was going to die. Praise Jesus. But anyway, yeah, I'm a wimp. <laughs> you know, I don't like pain. And I think a lot of people are like that. But, you know, we got to realize who we really, truly are. And it's got to be real. Real, real. And I do believe an anointing of the Holy Spirit will come upon us at that time. If we're here for that. Or maybe we just fly which, of course, we're all hoping for, right? Hopefully sooner than later, praise God. We thank you, Jesus. Just keep this up 
of a good man are ordered by the Lord, Psalm 37:23. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. What does it mean that he shall not be utterly cast down? Does that mean cast down to hell? I think so. A large majority of the scriptures, particularly the prophetic ones, are eternal 
and their scope. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. They're ordered by the Lord. His steps are ordered by the Lord. They are his will, which mirrors and uh, harmonizes with Psalm 139.16, Ephesians 2.10. The list is amazing, really. So the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Though he fall, he won't be sent to hell, utterly cast down. Though he fall, he won't be sent to hell. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Hey. So you look at the word fall. Though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down. But the Lord upholds him with his hand. The word fall is Strong's OT5304. The Hebrew word is nafal. And it says says it has a uh, it says to fall in a great variety of applications and then it says it can be figurative or literal it goes on to say to be cast down cast out to cease even to die to fail to fall away to fall down fugitive or have inferior inheritance to be judged, make a mistake, lie down, lost, lying, overthrown, overwhelmed, perish, present, root, slay, smite out, surely thrown down. Doesn't sound good to me, but the Lord upholds him with his hand. That's awesome. Praise God. Basically what that means to me as long as we're trying, God's going to keep on holding us up so we make it. Overcoming sometimes is really hard. John thirteen thirty four to 35. A new commandment I give to you. A new commandment, Jesus said. Well, yeah. A new commandment I give to you, that you love another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. But here's the real heavy-hitting part of that scripture. Because of the way, because, you know, by this, by the way that you all love one another, The people of the world will know that you are my, Jesus' disciples, if you love one another. I won't go off on social media again like normal, but we don't see an awful lot of that out there, do we? This is real love. Real love for one another. What did Paul say about love? It's an amazing, amazing thing what Paul said. He said, I'm going to go ahead and find it because it's so beautiful. 
It's in 1 Corinthians 13. Yeah. This is really amazing. Praise God. In fact, it's even subtitled in the New King James, The Greatest Gift. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, so he's talking about speaking in tongues, which, by the way, he in chapter 12, the scriptures just prior to this, he mentions the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. He says, but though I speak with the tongues of angels, of men and angels, in other words, though I speak in tongues, e.g. I have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I have not love. So now he's talking about people that are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Imagine that. I remember one time I talked to somebody. I said to them, do you think you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit in order to be part of the bride and make the rapture? And the person wisely said, I think it came from the Lord. He said, no, I don't think so. It definitely gives you a major advantage to deal with the the stuff on the earth. And your prayers cannot be hindered when you're speaking in tongues. They bypass. The, the, the demons of darkness in the spiritual realm, can't, can't, they can't even see them. They go directly to the throne room. They are answered immediately. It's like the hotline. But most people who can speak in tongues have no idea, so they hardly ever do it. Even though Paul said, I speak in tongues more than any of y'all. But, but then he says, so, so basically what is this? It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels. Let's, let's take a bigger look at what this is really saying. He's really saying, though I have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I can speak in tongues, if I don't have love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. In other words, I'm irrelevant. I can speak in tongues all I want, but it don't mean diddly. It's all got to come out of love. Love is is the underlying, underpinning, baseline, feeling, spiritual state that we have to be residing in and walking in. It's the driving force. It's the spiritual energy that makes everything else gel. Without love, what's the point on getting on your knees? It ain't going to mean squat unless you're repenting. I truly believe that when you are confessing and repenting, no matter what, it gets a priority hotline directly into the throne room. I believe those petitions get heard immediately so all the angels in heaven can rejoice. I know that glorifies God and I know he loves it. So Paul says, though I have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I'm speaking in tongues, If I don't have love, none of that matters. Though I have the gift of prophecy, so you know he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge. I know that we we pre-existed. I know that we are incarnated. I know that God knew us and Jesus knew us before we came to the earth. I know all that stuff. I have faith to move mountains. But if I don't have love... I'm nothing. 
Wow. What does that mean? What kind of love is that? And he goes, he, he tells us, he helps us to understand. He says, do I, even though I bestow all my goods, all my money to feed the poor, I've given up my savings, I've given up my retirement, I have given at more, I mean, my goodness, even if I give my body to be burned on a stake for Jesus, if I don't have love, it profits me nothing. What that means is you get not a single reward for anything that you've done, including your letting your body to be burned, giving all your money away. Doesn't matter. If it doesn't come out of love, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. You're going to end up in heaven empty-handed. You can have a teeny-weeny little apartment. If that, that's why the number one commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Oh, my gosh. How, how much is that? That's a lot. Love is everything. That's why I call the new covenant the love covenant. Love is everything. The first, if I was a preacher in a in a church, I the first thing I would teach everyone is that you've got to get on your knees and beseech God in tears from your heart to fill you with love for Him first, intimacy with Jesus next, and fill your cup through an anointing, an outpouring. Of love, and I can tell you, it took me about almost two years of praying that. Now, it was in, it was iterative, and it got I fell in love with the Lord more and more and more over time. But I knew that I didn't love. I read the scripture, and I was thinking to myself, "Wait a minute! If that's the greatest, the greatest of all commandments, I'm guilty of being. I'm not even compliant with the greatest commandment. Where does that put me?" Jesus said, physician, heal thyself. Jesus basically was warning us, no point in going out and trying to serve me if you don't got the basics down. And that sometimes that takes a lot of prayer. Most of the time it does. These are not automatic things in the walk of a Christian. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't be admonishing these people at the church of Corinth. If I have not love, it profits me nothing. All these things I could do for the Lord profits me nothing. It means nada. And then he explains what kind of love, what, 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 is, what does this sort of love look like? This is the kind of love that we're supposed to have for our brothers and sisters. It says in the book of James, um, it says, uh, and I have to paraphrase this because I gotta re—I gotta reread James, and I, I really want to. I want to sometime do a whole teaching on the entire book of James because it's just fabulous. But um, it says, uh, you know, if we see someone in need and we do not, you know, do something about it to to that person, it's a sin. Imagine that. How many times do we walk by somebody that needs prayer and we don't offer them prayer? 
How many times do we walk by a disabled person in, in, a, uh, in a grocery store and we don't stop to offer to pray for them and lay hands on them? According to the book of James, that's a sin. I'm guilty of it. I've done it. Now I never leave the house, so. <laughs> but anyway, well, you know, unless my job sends me out. Um, but listen to what it says about love. Love suffers long and is kind. Now, what, what does it mean, suffers long? That's what's called long-suffering. The 21st century colloquialism or ex- explanation of what that means, long-suffering, just basically means that you don't let stuff get to you. You remain kind. No matter how much or how bad somebody's treating you, you're patient and you're kind. Long-suffering. It means unbelievable patience in the face of exceedingly bad and awful behavior toward you being pushed, shoved, called all kinds of horrible names, all kinds of cussing, uh, threatening your children. What are you going to do? You're going to suffer, and you're going to be kind. Love suffers long and is kind. Because remember, we have to love our neighbors as ourselves, and that means everybody. Just like Jesus did when the Jews were trying to hang him from the cross. Did Jesus get mad? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he tried his best to carry the cross. I don't want to think about that. It's just too heartbreaking. Love puts up with unbelievable, awful, horrible treatment and remains kind. Love doesn't envy You're truly happy for somebody else when they are receiving something that you've been praying for for years. And one of your brothers and sisters tells you, the Lord, da-da-da-da for me, and I, da-da-da-da. And love does not envy that. Love is truly happy for them. It doesn't even enter your mind that you've been praying for the same thing for three years. It doesn't envy Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And you do it out of love. Love does not parade itself. What's that mean? It means that you don't act like you're big, bad, big and bad. You're something else. It's you're humble. You're kind. You're loving. It's not puffed up. No pride. Totally humble. You're being the Beatitudes. You're living it. Love does not behave rudely. Whoa. Watch out for Facebook. <laughs> Love does not behave rudely. Rudely? Boy, that's that's a broad stroke of the words. What does rude mean? Could it be a simply a rolling of the eyes? Could it be interrupting somebody when they're trying to share with you something? Is that rude? 
What's rude? To find that. How broad of a stroke is that? It, love, true love, doesn't behave that way. What way is that? Treat those the way that you want to be treated. Treat everyone else the way that you want to be treated. Put them first. Love does not seek its own. What's that mean? You're not out there telling everybody your story. You want to hear theirs. But you really mean it. Because you love them. Love is not provoked. Hey. That means when your husband is about to divorce you, that is treating your children terribly, doesn't respond. You don't respond. You're just kind. Thinking, Father, forgive him. He's being controlled by demons. Father, forgive him. Please. Love thinks no evil. So there's nothing negative associated with love at all. Love doesn't rejoice in iniquity. Well, let's hope not. And, but it rejoices in the truth, of course. Love now, this is huge. Verse 7, love bears all things. Whoa, that all word. That's huge. That's big. Bears all things. All. Whoa. It believes in purity, righteousness, and hope through Christ. It believes all things. Okay? It's all about purity, love, and righteousness, hope in Christ as citizens of heaven. It believes all things. It hopes in all things. And it endures all things. Love never fails, so it doesn't quit. You don't stop loving anybody because they treated you a certain way. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. That's where he goes in and uh, talks about that which is perfect has come, which is Jesus. But the point is, and, and it ends, it kind of ends that little blurb. It says, and now abide in faith, hope, and love, because these three things of them, the greatest of them is love. By the way, that's repeated multiple times in Romans. It says that love pretty much wipes out the need for the law. If you truly love people, the Ten Commandments don't mean diddly because if you truly love the way that Christ loves, the way that we're supposed to love our brothers and sisters and even our neighbors, really. But Jesus calls them at, calls out our love for one another as something that would just be natural and others would look at and go, whoa, I have never seen a group of people love each other that much. They're obviously, you know, from different families and everything. What's that all about? It's really, really amazing. Praise God. All these things. And then there's First Timothy 6, <clears throat> 6. Now, godliness with contentment is gain. So, you really kind of get you got to get your arms around what this is what what Paul's saying here in this first this first letter that he wrote to Timothy. Now godliness with contentment is gain. Now 
what does that really mean? But what, what it's it, it it echoes the the proverbs where it says, "Better a dry morsel than a room full of feasting with strife." It's simply simplifying our existence on earth. Be godly. Be content. It's great gain before God. It's a good thing. Verse 7 goes on to say, For we brought nothing into the world, and we're certainly not going to carry anything out. Now that's fascinating, because that kind of echoes my situation, because I've been blessed, and I, you know... Yeah, I, I kind of live in a supermax as a prisoner of Christ and alone like 99% of the time I'm breathing. But the, the point here is I, I'm comfortable, you know, and I think a lot of us are. We live in our dwelling places, our homes, or our apartments, wherever we are, and we've nested and hung our pictures and you know, our little Bible verses and stuff on plaques on the walls where we like them. And we have some flowers over here and some other things over there. And we got this furniture that we got. And we're comfortable in our dwelling places. But what's fascinating about the Scripture is it never mentions anything about that. In fact, it mentions the opposite. For we brought nothing into the world and we're not going to take anything out. So everything that you're li- everything that's around you, all those things that make you feel so comfy, because you're, you, you know, it just, it's homey. These scriptures are basically downplaying those things and saying they're not all, they're, they don't really mean anything. In fact, verse 8 goes on to say, and having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. We shall be content. Never says anything about a dwelling place. And our servants are not supposed to be greater than the master. And the master said, hey, I don't even have a place to lay my head. And then it warns that those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, many foolish and harmful lusts, and drown men in destruction and perdition. But what does it mean to be rich? All things are relative, right? Are you rich from an earthly standpoint? Oh, I only have, oh, $1,000 in my savings account, um, and I'm only living in a three-bedroom apartment in, you know, Missoula, Montana, and are you rich compared to a person living in the mud in Mozambique? It's fascinating how there's never the promise of a dwelling place. There never, ever is. There is a promise of mansions, or actually the scripture doesn't really say. It, it, it's interesting because the word could mean either mansion or houses or whatever the case is, which is fascinating because it's actually both. <laughs> Praise God. So depending on how obedient you are, your inheritance and rewards that come from what? Love. This is a supernatural love. There's a man who I let stay in my house. He had a drinking problem. I had no place to go, and I could not let him live under a bridge. He had been doing... I, I have a soft spot in my heart for 
giving folks like that odd jobs, you know, and, and letting them help me around the house and rake the backyard and, you know, things like that. And then I pay them handsomely, you know, and I'm, that's not boastful on my part. I'm just letting you know that I, I love to help people. And so, you know, and I know they're desperate and I can't stand to see that happen to anybody. Where does that come from? Love. That's love for really a person who's not acting very holy, not living a very holy life, but they have really deep-rooted emotional issues from a very difficult upbringing and past. But my the love of Christ in me overflows, and I cannot stand to even see that. I can't even think of that person living under a bridge. So I had to let him... Have a have a room. I didn't even want. He was like, oh, "I can pay you three hundred fifty months dollars a month if you can let me." And I'm like, "No, I don't need none of that." But he did have a drinking problem, and he would the demons that controlled him would become very problematic, very problematic. And even to the point where, oh, too many crickets, it was not not a good situation. And you might think to yourself, well, Johnny, you should have known better than that. No, no, that's not how it works. So anyway, believe it or not, he's back in the same situation right now. But he's progressed an awful lot. He's grown up more than he was those many years ago. But he's back in that same place. He does have a place that he can go, but he's dreading it. It's kind of like a commune of homeless people living in a trailer and they do drugs and smoke and drink all night long and yell and scream and he doesn't want to go there. I gave him some work to do. Paid him well because I I, I love him. I really do. I pray for his salvation all the time. And he knows, he, you know, he, he he talks about the Lord. He gets it all. He knows it. He gets it. He's just got deep, deep-rooted emotional problems. And I'm seriously thinking about letting him move back in again. Because he's 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 grown. He's watched... About six of his best friends die. Amazing, this man who has advanced um, COPD. And when you know somebody who has advanced COPD, their breathing is very labored. And he got, finally, after many years of struggle, the courts finally gave him disability SSI, which is barely enough to survive on, let alone eat. But anyway... And if somebody's taking three, four hundred dollars a month out of your pocket, you're you're right on the edge. I mean, so anyway, I'm thinking about just. I mean, of all, I mean, of course, I've forgiven him because I love. I don't think about what might go wrong. I mean, it crosses my mind, but what I do think about is he he has to have progressed to a different level watching every single one of his friends die. One of his best friends just died in his sleep the other day. Well, a couple months ago. Another one of his other friends that he depended on and worked with a lot died of cancer. Actually, two of them did. 
Um, one of his friends that he that was kind of mean to him is now in jail for almost life. Um, like no one's left, you know, except his nephew, and that's a whole mess. And um, anyway, I, I'm, 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 I just, I might, I may just go ahead and call him and say, you know what, you're welcome. I mean, what's the worst thing you can do? Pawn some of my stuff in a pawn shop? Yeah, big deal. Actually, he has a history of that, and I'll just, you know, he'll go and get it. I'll just put him to work and get him to pay it off and go get my stuff. <laughs> At least he, he, you know, and I have had conversations with him about that because it's kind of irritating, praise God. But anyway, um, I just wanted to share that little bitty mini testimony about how when you pray and you live and you walk the walk and you're trying as hard as you can and you're praying for that love, it really does kind of overwhelm, you know, it changes you. Praise God. And that's why when you're reading your scripture, a lot of it in Galatians and a lot of it in Romans. Romans 12 is amazing. You know, when we love somebody and we treat them in a loving way, even though they're treating us horribly, as it says in Romans 12, it's like you treat them back with love. It heaps coals of guilt on their head. They feel bad for treating you bad because you were kind, gentle. You know, when you when a person is when a person is yelling or being mean to somebody and that person loves them and says and gives them a present. I can you imagine around the holiday time of year and Someone's just lays into you. Well, you're a this and you're a that and this, that, and the other thing, and you shouldn't have done this because you did that and that. Dag nabbit, dag nabbit, da 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 da. And then you say, Well, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but I got you really, I think you'll like this Christmas present. And you hand it to them. Watch the look on their face. Now, they got to be some seriously demon-possessed people to take that gift and whip it against the wall. I'm sure there's some people out there that are like that. But as a general rule, the vast majority of people would melt. And they would even, if they're unbelievers, they would forgive. And you guys would be friends again simply because you showed them love. And that's what Romans 12 is about. That's who we are. Praise God. And on that note, let's go into communion. I can only imagine the silence in the room 
as you passed on the bread to be told. They did not understand the reach of his plan. In his love, we were told to rejoice, not to mourn. So we gathered from memory the glory of the Lamb, the one who was slain for the seed of Abraham. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the king and his bride. When our waiting has ceased, It was paid, it was done, you had covered the call, and I can only imagine the thunder of sound as the heaven exploded in tears. We were freed from our chains, now all that remains is to never give in. We are destined to win, so we gather remembering the truth of our soul. By the time we remember, all scars will be healed. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the Lord and his bride. When our waiting has ceased.
But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once not a people but now are the people of God who at one time had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, there's that word again, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. The bond, the glue of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just and pure, whatever things are lovely or of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy. Meditate on these things. And of course, Titus 1.15, to the pure, all things are pure. It's amazing. Jesus went a little further and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Matthew 26, 39. See, that's, here he's, he's having a moment in the flesh. He's freaking out, wouldn't you? <laughs> I surely would. Oh, my gosh. Praise God. First Timothy 3.16, God was manifested in the flesh. Oh, well, looky there. That kind of proves that he was God, but he was also in the flesh. He just didn't sin. Justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, believed upon in the world, and received up in the glory. First Timothy 3.16. Somebody told me once, Oh, yeah, that's one of the three sixteens, evidently. Yeah, like for example, uh, Malachi three sixteen. That's awesome. There's a lot of three sixteens that are just amazing in the Bible. We pray for purifications based upon Psalm fifty one one through fourteen. Father, have mercy upon us. According to your loving kindness, your kind love, according to them, your endless, tender mercies, blot out of our transgressions, blot them out, remember them no more, 
Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. We confess of our transgressions and sins before you, Father, because they are always right in front of us. Against you, you only, we have sinned and done this evil in your sight, Father, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, we were brought forth in iniquity and in sin our mothers conceived us. Wow, that's a powerful mystery. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part. You will make us to know your wisdom. Purge us with hyssop and we shall be clean. Wash us and we shall be whiter than snow. Help us, Father, to hear joy, gladness, realize who we are in the kingdom, and that this will pass by and be long forgotten when we're in your glory. Blot out all of our iniquity. Create in us, Lord God, a clean heart, a steadfast spirit. Let us not grieve the Holy Spirit. Remember, anoint us, impart upon our hearts the fact that we're saved so we have joy. Uphold us with your generous and kind spirit and then we'll touch other people's lives and some will make it to heaven. But Father, we also ask you to, to deliver us from the guilt of our past sins so we can sing aloud of your awesome righteousness. The Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. For I receive from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In that same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ani, Lododi, Lododi Li. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine.
five minutes I w- <clears throat> to glorify God I want to I wish I had I don't know I just <laughs> I get lost in the scriptures sometimes and I um, time flies but I want to pray together with what we understand and know we know that we're the sons of God the masters of the devil and the servants of mankind We know that intensified prevailing prayer is the mightiest and holiest effort of which a child of God is capable, bringing down heaven's power, resources, and angels into action upon the earth. We know that our prayers need to be effective and fervent, passionate, and intense from the heart. We know that we cast out demons, that it's part of our walk. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and every high thing. Principalities and powers and demons even on the earth, whatever. All of them. Everything. We have that authority because we have the authority of Christ. We understand all those things. Praise God. At least I pray that we do. I had hoped to go over all that, but time flies But I do want to pray for Europe before we close tonight. We only have four minutes, but I think it's plenty of time. And for anybody who is unaware or doesn't understand these things, I will quote scriptures as we are praying for the peoples of the land, okay, that God would not destroy it, which essentially he's not talking about burning down the trees. He's talking about, you know, sending the people there to hell. So standing in the gap is essentially what we're doing. And it is the mightiest, the holiest, the most powerful, wonderful thing that we can do for our Lord, for our Father. That's why he does not want to remember our sins. Dear Heavenly Father, we raise up symbolically a golden cup of forgiveness before you, and we pray in Jesus' name that you will pour out this golden cup of forgiveness, Father God. There are cups all over the Bible. Usually angels are associated with them, but you gave me this golden cup, and you told me what it meant. And it was a miraculous event in my life. It caused me to cry tears that I could wipe off the table, and I praise you for it. And Father... 
with 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 where more than where two or three are gathered together, there you are in our midst. And I believe that that includes now. Together we hold up a golden bowl of forgiveness before you, Father, and we pray that you will pour it out upon all of the peoples of the lands of Europe, from the far western sides of Ireland to the far eastern sides of Ukraine, to the northern sides of Norway, to the southern sides of Cyprus, and all lands in between. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. For Father... Like Nehemiah in 1 verse 6, we confess of their sins before you as a royal priesthood. We confess of the sins of their first fathers and their fathers' fathers until before there was time. We break all yokes of bondage. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them. We break all generational and bloodline curses throughout every branch of their family trees until before there was time. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Now we have loosed the legal rights of the demons for a time. Principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual hosts of wickedness and rulers of darkness in high places, we come against you by the blood of the Lamb of God, we decree. Fire swords of cherubim to be shot down from the heavens and to cut you into pieces, we declare. Fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you into screaming agony in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You are disarmed. You are disarmed and made a public spectacle of thereof. Bind before the courts of heaven in Colossians 2.15 against you in Jesus' name. And we declare warrior angels and archangels, fully clad in the armor of God, diamond-tipped sword sharp as razor blades to descend upon you and to wage war against you such as never been seen since before there was time. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, anything that cannot call Jesus its Lord and Savior, binding or hindering the hearts and the minds of the lost across all of the lands of Europe, come forth! Subordinate spirits, come out, strong men, out now in the name of Jesus. We decree warrior angels to descend upon you, to strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, cast you into the pit. We declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut and to permeate the pit and to burn you into screaming agony in the name of Jesus. And we plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. And in Jesus' name, we declare the crystal river, the living water, to flow deep into their hearts, to fertilize the soil therein. In Jesus' name, we declare the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection to encircle, to encapsulate them on all sides. Job 1.9. Hallelujah. Let nothing unclean reenter the clean-swept house. We praise your holy name, Father God, and we pray in the name of Jesus that you will send an innumerable company of angels of light and love into their presence of dreams and visions of the night. Fertilize this soil with the presence of the Spirit. Holy Lord Jesus, we pray that you will lift your hand of mercy to each of them, that they will have these dreams and visions and see you calling them by their name, that they too shall be saved and glorify our Father. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you next Friday, Lord willing. Praise you, Jesus. Actually, next Friday. I can't say that this time because I'll be in flight. (laughs) All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe we'll play the show again next Friday. Maybe we'll play another one. All right. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hang in there. Keep on praying. Have faith. Have hope. Ask God to fill you with love for him, Christ, and everyone. In Jesus' name, God bless you.
Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure until you come back for your bride to set her free. Write our names in your book of life. We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice. As we lift your name on high. Renew. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.